Hey guys, welcome back to the Heart of New York City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Cameron Krakowiak, with my other co-host, Jared Sage. Today is Monday, September 13th, and uh, this past weekend we had a great weekend of New York City sports. We saw both of our uh, baseball teams play each other, the Mets and the Yankees, and we also saw um, both... Uh, the Jets and Giants played. The Jets outperformed a little bit, and the Giants were a little bit underwhelming, a little bit is to say the least. Um, and let's jump right into it. Let's go to the Jets-Panthers game, which was a little bit more in- anticipated than the Giants game this weekend because the Jets um, were going up against Sam Darnold, their former quarterback. So everyone was excited to see the storylines that were to come out of that. Of course, you know, um, you know, Sam Darnold wouldn't say anything about the New York Jets heading into the Sunday's opener um, in Charlotte, um, but he made the Jets not look very good in the first half to say they went up 16 nothing, and then the final score was 19 to 14 as the Jets took the loss. Um, what would you think about this game? And necessarily, like, what did you get out of it from this? Because honestly, I think a lot of the storylines we talked about before coming into this game came to fruition. Um, talked about Corey Davis a little bit. He had a good weekend. He had a good game yesterday. Um, what would you say, Jared? Um, I think everybody's, first of all, going to want to turn to the quarterbacks. They're going to want to evaluate Zach Wilson, and they're going to want to evaluate – how Sam Darnold played. And I think that's, you know, how we have to start, obviously. I think Zach Wilson showed some stuff. I think he missed some throws. He made some really impressive throws that I don't think we've seen a Jets kind of quarterback make, whether that's getting on the run or using his legs to extend plays. However, the entire first half, the entire Carolina defensive line was in the backfield. I mean, the Jets offensive line was non-existent and that really, I think it's going to be a long season if, if they don't get that working. And to add injury to insult, you know, on that first Corey Davis touchdown, Makai Becton goes down and everybody fears ACL tear. And now they're saying it's a dislocated kneecap. So four to five weeks for their top offensive lineman with a line that's already not so great. So they're going to have to rely a little bit on Elijah Barrett Tucker to at least stabilize some of this. I mean, yesterday, Zach Wilson could not do much. But he made some throws and the receivers didn't help him out all the time. I was, you know, I don't think you could take that one way or another. And I think if you do and say like, oh, he did this or he did that, I think that's wrong. I don't think you can say, oh, he's the greatest quarterback of the draft or, oh, we, we've took the wrong guy. I, I think it's obviously too early to tell. That's how I would start with the Jets. And then from Darnold's standpoint, I mean, that's just tough. If you're a Jets fan and you see Sam Darnold throwing a 57-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson, I mean, two former Jets just killing you. Like, you never really got to see that with the Jets. And then, I mean, Darnold threw more yards last yesterday than he did all last season in one game. And it's it makes you question a little bit of Adam Gase. I'm not saying it was the wrong decision to give up on Sam Darnold. I'm not saying it was the right decision to get Zach Wilson. Yesterday, I think hurts as a Jets fan, but that's why we play 16 more of these things. Yeah, I honestly agree with a lot, especially what you said there at the end. 
because with Sam Darnold um, throwing that touchdown to Robbie Anderson, I thought that was the most ironic thing ever. You know, um, especially the distance throw. It did. It did feel like it had to happen. But honestly, the way I kind of feel about um, this whole situation is Zach Wilson, I think, outperformed what everyone was expecting during camp and, you know, like coming in. And I think he did a formidable job. He got hit 10 times. He got hit 10 times. The protection is not there. He's young and he got up on his feet. Um, you know, Robert, uh, Robert Salah um, said like he wasn't going to blame the offensive line for all that stuff. You know, I think you, it's interesting to hear that quote, um, but they might have to shuffle their, their front line a lot. And because Becton was carried off the field with that left, that right knee injury. Um, and it, 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 he's out for six weeks. So as a Jets fan, you're just hoping like, can we at least make it, you know, to week six where we're not 0-6 and there's no point in our season, you know? Um, I think you, what you come out of this season, you want to at least win a handful of games because they're not that bad. I don't think they're that bad. You know, the Panthers, you know, showing off that they beat the Jets yesterday. Like, you guys were up 16 nothing at the half and got, you know, the Jets' defense in the second half of that game did a pretty good job. So let's see where they head on from now. What, what else are you getting from this game? What do you think of Salah and his quotes and all of that? Um, I mean, I think that it's going to be a long season for the Jets in the sense that I think, okay, so it's a new head coach. The GM brought in this head coach. It's more of his players that he drafted, right? It's two first-round draft picks. It's a new quarterback. It's a new receiver. It's two new receivers, really, because they spent their early second-round pick on a receiver. So everybody wants to see instant growth. And I don't think you're going to see it just because – it's hard to win in the NFL. I don't even think Carolina is that great of a team. And they go down 16-0 early. But, but let me ask you something this, because going back to the O-line, four of the six um, sacks that happened to them were on four-man rushes. It wasn't even a five-man rush. You know, is this like a bigger problem? Yeah. I mean, I think off, for many years, the Jets have had bad offensive lines and I think having Becton out really hurts because I kind of liked what they were building. I thought, okay, you get Becton and then you get Elijah Vera Tucker in your first round. And okay, you have two pieces. It's like, this is our two first round offensive linemen and to not get to play with one of them for probably half the season. I mean, that just, it, it, it's just a gut punch. I mean, how do you like, how do you start building stuff? Because, okay, it's a tough division. Buffalo is good, even though they lost. Um, New England is going to show that they're going to be pretty good with Mac Jones and Miami won. So like, this is a tough division. So they're not going to go anywhere, but you want to start building a foundation, but how do you even see the foundation if one of your best players is out? So I think the Becton injury is big. I think the defense is good enough to keep them in games longer than maybe they should. Like, okay, they were down 16, nothing, but then they made it 16 to eight. So it's a one score game. And it's like, okay, you can't turn off a 16 to eight game, but you didn't really actually think that they, they never showed you the vision that they were going to come out and win this game. I mean, 
but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what I saw just because I saw that they were a respectable team. And I, I think yeah. that's what you've been alluding to here is that, okay, they overcame expectations and all they did was lose and they lost pretty soundly. I mean, they didn't score in the first half and they never led. They never had the game tied after a score. So it's not like they really did much to excite you, but it's exciting that they didn't look like a joke. And that that's what matters. That, that Hey, that's a good stepping stone for the Jets. Yeah, I agree. I think what I got out of this, this whole preseason coming up to this game, I was saying that this team has no shot in like being formidable at all. But I changed my mind a bit. I think they should be uh, – well, now I, I don't know about the, the injury because now they basically have like zero – like they have two of their original O-line right so i would say i would say this like they shouldn't be as bad as last year and i and i thought that there was some chance that they could be as bad as they were last year um all right let's head over to the giants and i thought the the reason why i i'm kind of hyping up the jets more than the giants i will today because the giants looked bad the giants to me Looked like a lost team. They scored a touchdown, I believe, in the first quarter or the set or the second quarter. Um, and they, they went into halftime leading. And then um, coming out of halftime, they didn't score until the final minute. Um, and that was and pretty bad. It was irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones led the team in rushing. That's not good when Daniel Jones is your lead rusher. I mean, to me, the Giants, I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones fan, but I think he can keep you in games. I don't think he's – he's an okay quarterback, and he can do some exciting things with his ability to run. The only way the Giants are going to win games this year is if they run the ball and they defend. And yesterday, they didn't do much of either. I mean, okay, it's great to see Saquon out there, and it's good to see that his knee stood up for a whole game, but if he's not going to – if he's going to run for 30 yards, you're not going to win any games. Like they need him to do something. And the offensive line pass blocked. All right, but they didn't run block great. And I guess that's a step in the right direction, but I don't think that they, they didn't really throw any deep shots. So they didn't really get a chance to stay in there and try to pass block. So we didn't see much of that either. I, I mean, they have pieces on offense. Like we look at the jets and, and the jets, they don't have much. We'll look at the Giants, and they got a first-round pick, a left tackle. They have a big-paid right tackle in Nate Solder, who's been terrible. They have a high second-round pick in Willie Hernandez, and then they spend money on Galladay, a first-round pick on Tony, a high pick on Shepard, Saquon Barkley, of course. Like This is the year this thing has to kind of get going. And Denver is, a, I think, an underrated team, but this is a home game. And to go out and just show nothing? I mean... Um, this this is they need to show something on Thursday. It's a quick turnaround on Thursday with the Redskins. Redskins, Washington football team. My saw my bad. They're not going to have Fitzpatrick, but the Giants have to do something. I mean, this is, and this has to be quick because Gettleman's job is on the line. Maybe even Joe Judge's job is on the line because if they fire the GM, they're going to get rid of the coach most likely, and Jones's job is on the line. This has to get the ball. The ball has to get rolling. There has to be a lot of urgency these next few days as they prepare for Washington. 
Um, I think turning it around on Thursday is going to have to dictate whether this Giants team wants to do something this season because it turns out to be that their division is a lot maybe better than we thought, right? The Cowboys proved something against the Bucks, and obviously the Eagles showed out yesterday. The Washington football team is, you know, they're going to do what they do. They're not going to be, at least, they're not going to be the worst team in the league. So let's see. Uh, there was a lot of returns yesterday. You know, Saquon came back, and that was, like, big, right? If you want to have a good season, he has to perform well. But, like, you know, this is why I take nothing into consideration during preseason because it doesn't matter until the first game, right? Like, these guys have to get their feet underneath of them and get healthy and in shape. But, like, you don't know anything about how they're going to perform. Nate, Nate Solder um, returned yesterday, and he didn't perform very well either. Um, so what what's going to happen to this team, you know, What's Joe Judge going to have to do with this locker room to make them perform better? I, I did, I'm going to be honest. I did not watch this full game. I watched maybe about 10 minutes of it because at that point it was already a, like uh, that's when the Broncos scored twice in a row and took the, took the lead um, 20 to seven. I think it was at that point. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what else you think about this Jared. I mean, I thought the Giants, um, they their ran def- run defense was pretty good early, and then I think it got tired just because the offense was not putting them in a good positions, right? Like, one thing about football, I think that, you know, kind of doesn't always show itself as, you know, oh, somebody's going to be upset because the defense did this. But, you know, the defense has to be in conjunction with the offense. And, like, you know, if the offense is not going to have long drives or, you know, three and outs, Defense is going to get tired. So they're going to have to go back on the field and they're going to be out there for a long time. And I thought we saw a little bit of that with the Giants defense. I think the Giants defense is better than what they showed yesterday. Some of their, they looked a little lost in in the secondary. And I didn't think Bradbury played a great game. He's going to need to be big. Um, But I I think the Giants defense will improve. I'm I'm not exactly worried about that. Um, What I'm worried about is a little bit of play calling with Jason Garrett. I, I think that he isn't opening up the playbook as much for maybe Daniel Jones. But I think part of it is like, I don't think they trust Daniel Jones. I don't think that they think, and they don't think they trust this offensive line. I don't think they think that the offensive line will give them time. I think if Daniel Jones gets hit, he could get hurt. He could fumble. I think that they don't, what they are pretty much saying is Daniel Jones cannot lose us the game. We don't want him, like our defense is well, good enough to keep us there. And the, and the run game needs to win us the game on offense. I think they have to put more trust in Daniel Jones. I think this season, if they want it to work, you got to put more trust in him to see if he's going to perform, you know, Darius Slayton got 58 snaps, right? So you're putting your guys out there to be thrown to, right? Whereas like, why is he rushing and why is he not, why is he only throwing for 200 yards? You know, we saw these guys the first week get, 30, 40 quarterbacks in the NFL, 30, 40 uh, snaps to throw. And Daniel Jones, you know, ended up like flopping heavy. I think they don't trust him, but like they have to throw the ball more. And 
then they also have to mix in Saquon because I think that was the problem. I think maybe the Broncos knew that Saquon wasn't going to get a lot of run because he's coming off this injury for the first game. And so that completely eliminated one side of the ball. I don't know. What do you think? I think that the Broncos felt that they could push the offensive line for the Giants in terms of run blocking pretty easily. And so they thought, okay, if we can rush four, maybe five, he's not going to, you know, we'll be able to do enough to stop him and can contain him pretty much, not let him bounce out for that one, you know, that one play that he likes to do. But at the end of the day, if they're going to do that, then Daniel Jones, as you said, like he's got to do something. He's got to, you got to give him the reins. If he's your guy, you have to, you know, the first year it's a rookie. You don't want him to, you don't want to kill him. His second year, okay, he's got to show a little bit more. He didn't show that last year with Jones. So now he's got to, He's got to take this. He's got to take it and run with it. I don't think he's the guy. So, and my feeling is, is that, okay, for this year, if all you're going to try and do is win the division, because maybe it's an easy division, try and just like, don't let him kill you. Don't let him lose the game, right? Just, just let him do it a little bit and find somebody else. I mean, whether that's a free agent Maybe Aaron Rodgers becomes available. I don't want to get too crazy. Maybe a draft. I, I, I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy because I don't think he's special. I think if he were the guy, he would have shown it last year. So my thing is, it's like, okay, they know him more than we do, more than any other podcast or anybody in the world knows him. The Giants know him as good as anybody. I think that they know that, that he isn't the guy, but I think they also knew that they didn't have any other options. So I, th I think they were like, okay, we'll do with Jones. Maybe Jones will shock us. Probably unlikely. But at worst comes to worst, our defense and our run game can keep us in games. And if Jones does enough, we'll be fine. That's frustrating then because like after Eli left, there was like this window where I felt like, oh, you still have some good offensive pieces. And now their defense is decent. Right? So what do you do now? Do you trade? Do you hope that he pans out the rest of this year? Or, like, what's going to happen? Uh, it's tough because it's his third year as a quarter, you know, third year for a first-round pick. He's got a guaranteed contract pretty much for next year. So I don't exactly know how they're going to give up on him this early. It may not be the best, you know, crop of quarterbacks next year. But at the end of the day, it's like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that the only guy who I think it's unfair to is, is Joe Judge, because Joe Judge was kind of brought in during the middle of this rebuild. So like, it wasn't Joe Judge's quarterback. And a lot of pieces that were already starting to build weren't Joe Judge's. He didn't have his input. But I think that there's a chance that after this year, we see a new GM slash president of operations. I think Gettleman is gone. And if Gettleman is gone, I don't think there's a chance Jones stays. And if both of them are gone, what happens to Judge? Because normally we see GMs wanting to bring in their own guy, even though I kind of like Joe Judge. Mm. So I, I think that the Giants are in a tough spot here. And unless they, unless they turn this thing around, unless I'm wrong, and I could be wrong, and Daniel Jones could be good. And I think we'll see a lot on Thursday. I think a lot will happen with Washington. Um, 
honestly, I, I would love to see what happens, but I'm not looking. I, I don't, I'm honestly very dejected from that game yeah. yesterday because that team, like you could say, is just as good as the Giants, you know? And you'd feel like, like, the- like is, is Daniel Jones better? Daniel Jones is worse than Teddy Bridgewater. Like Teddy Bridgewater's a retread. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, they could have had him for a seventh round draft pick. They wouldn't have to pay him. Carolina's that's paying. what I, that's what I'm saying. It's like how it's incredibly frustrating if you're a giant fan. It's like you don't feel like this team has they they haven't taken any steps in the right direction. I mean, they, they just like Dave Gettleman comes in, he says, I want to build rebuild the offensive line. And uh, they don't even trust the offensive line still. And, and, and Andrew Thomas, he played pretty well yesterday. His numbers look pretty good. But in limited chances, I mean, he's not given much of an opportunity. I, I'm not uh, – I was a little bit more bullish on the Giants before the year, and I don't want one game to just sway my opinion. But I don't know. Maybe you think differently. This could. This is looking like it could be a long season. I, I I want to see what happens Thursday. Um, maybe maybe they they show something Thursday and they don't look bad. That'll get me intrigued. Like they could still lose Thursday and I wouldn't be too upset. Um, you know, are you are you fine switching gears? I think the Giants have dejected me enough to where um, I'm going to talk some baseball. So this weekend, the Mets and Giants, um, Mets and Giants. No, what am I saying? The Mets and Yankees. Picked up this weekend. Uh, the Mets were two and a half games back of a three and a half games back of a wild card spot, and also kind of catching up a little bit on the NL East. Although that still looks pretty dreary for them. Um, so the Mets had something to play for, and started the Yankees. And the Yankees came in this weekend, losing seven in a row or six in a row. On Friday they lost. Saturday the nine eleven game, huge game. Ended up losing. And then yesterday, Sunday, maybe just as good as the game as Saturday. Um, maybe Saturday had a little bit more energy. But yesterday's game was pretty exciting, too. Um, Lindor and Giancarlo Stanton get into this little, like, talk on the base pass and the bench is clear. Um, no one got into a fight. But it was a very entertaining game. We see some bad decisions made by uh, Aaron Boone in tough positions, especially in game one going to Andrew Heaney. Um, you know, I, it's interesting to think about this series because two weeks ago I would have said the Mets have nothing to play for. And I would say the Yankees are going to have that top spot in the wild card and they're going to be playing for first ba- uh, first place, um, you know, because they were only four and a half games back at the time. And, you know, two weeks ago when we last talked, they didn't um, – They've they lost – they won after they won 13 straight. They ended up losing uh, a few, one, two, and then lost seven in a row. I think it's time that we can say, like, this Yankee team is very streaky, and that streak was kind of, I don't want to say it's a fully a fluke, but I would say that wholeheartedly that, you know, they're not going to do that again. Um, and like this playoffs. They're gonna. They're probably gonna end up having to play um, either Boston in a in a game that decides their season in a one sixty three, or they're gonna have to go to Toronto because they look unstoppable 
Um, and facing Ryu, we're not super good versus Ryu. And I just see the hopes of the Yankee season going down the drain. I mean, I think when you you set it up pretty well, like this was a big weekend for both teams. I mean, I think if the Mets had lost this series, their season would actually have been over because I think it would have been too much to overcome in terms of, it's always hard at this point in the season. It's it's hard for me to contemplate a team that's 72 and 72, you know, having big games, right? Like that that's a 500 team. Like they, they're not really in it. Obviously they can get hot and, and the, you know, they have the Cardinals for the next three, which is a big team because they're right in front of them. They're also battling for a wild card. Um, I think for me, what it really comes down to is uh, the first play, of, uh, the first inning of Friday night. When Gary Sanchez missed that tag on Jonathan VR when he was out by 20 feet, I mean, he was a dead duck. Like, I don't know. That was as mind-boggling as the Yankee season has really been in terms of winning 13 in a row and then losing a series to Baltimore and getting swept at home by Toronto and never leading in the fucking series. I think that obviously the games mattered for the Mets, but to me they mattered more for the Yankees because the Yankees show that they can actually be a team that can maybe do something in October, not just get there, but maybe even do something. And I'm not going to say that this series told me that the Yankees can't do something, but it showed me that the Yankees have these in these traits and tendencies that are really, really difficult for them to shed. And these bad habits that they have of either not getting a lead and losing the game or getting a lead and blowing it, they, they don't play sound baseball and, for a whole game, whether it's the defense one day or the pitching, they don't put it together. So, I mean, you seem a little bit more down and out on the Yankees saying that, oh, even if they get to a wild card, they're over. I, I still like my chances if Garrett Cole is on the mound in any game. I know. You, I, mean, you, I, I agree. I'm just saying, like, I would rather – I would rather them not <laughs> – this is an obvious statement. I would have rather them not lose – a series versus Baltimore and then get swept by the team that you're probably going to face in the first game of the playoffs. Like that, that just gave me no hope for them. And this team has been big into, we're always going to turn it around. You know, this happened last year in 2020, um, having in 2019, it was like, Oh, we're going to turn it around. We're going to, we're going to push the button and we're going to play super well. Like, I remember that used to be a quote that CeCe said, like, once the playoffs come, you know, that's a whole different energy, a whole different vibe. And we're, we're, we're a beast of a team and we can show out. I don't know if this team is very good. Joey Gallo. Like, I'm not trying to Monday morning quarterback, but Joey Gallo has to be one of the, the I don't like him watching, watching him play. I like him playing defense. But when he's out, up at the plate, I think it's like an auto strikeout or like a he just his eye like he does walk a lot. But I feel like that's because he just watches a lot of pitches go past him. And when he does swing, he's swinging for the fences. Um, I don't know how much that move is going to pan out because he's still the type of player that judge and standing are, but just from the left side. He's actually not the player that judges. He's not. He's the player who Voight is from the left side, really, because, you know, Judge, I, I would say 
I would say Judge is more Judge is not a, a power hitter necessarily. Like yes, he does hit for power, but he's not going up there just swinging for the fences. Um, uh, we can get in some nitty gritty. Jamison Tyone is out for for ten days, sore arm. He's probably out for the season. Um, Herman and Sevy are on their way back, possibly. Um, I haven't even heard about Herman in forever. Yeah, they, they he pitched with Sevy the same day. Um, they could come back into the bullpen, but I don't even know if it's worth it. Why have they not? Okay, can we talk about one thing? Why have they not released Andrew Heaney? I think. Uh, uh, obviously, I think we can both say like he has been terrible. He's been garbage when he's been on the team. Now, part of me also thinks that like I'm not going to say it's unfair to him, but he's not been thrown in the best situations. I mean, this is a starting pitcher who is being brought into games like last night. The base is loaded in the fifth inning, so you're bringing in a starter to a non-clean inning, and you're literally setting him up to fail. Now, that's not fair to the player, and it's just it's just wrong. Now, I think that also ties to your point, though, is why is he on this team? I would get rid of him just because if you're not going to start him, you have no use for him, and he's not good. So like, I understood having him on the team a few weeks ago when you had no starting pitching, but maybe now with Tyone being hurt, Herman and Severino maybe not coming back, maybe you need a start, but maybe they just like Heal and Clark Schmidt more. And if they, they like that, then I see no reason as Tahini's on this team. I think bringing in a guy like Warren who's been a Yankee before. He knows how to pitch in New York more than Heaney does. And he's actually a relief pitcher who's been brought into games in tough situations with inherited runners on, and he has to fix, he has to figure it out. He's actually faced that circumstance. So I think it's fair to Heaney, it's fair to the Yankees to just get rid of him. And I agree with you there. I, I agree with you with this. If the Yankees were to DFA him right now, who cares if he goes to Chicago and throws three starts at the end of the season and, and pitches. I don't even think he would be brought to another team. I don't think another team would sign him. Either way, Heaney has lost probably $6 million this off season. He's he's no longer an $8 million pitcher. They, they, they brought like, okay, honestly, like Andrew Heaney two years ago or last year, you had a case where he's a, he's a three or four starter on, on a team, right? Now we moved him to the bullpen. I think we've like actually jeopardized the rest of his career and he's had a bad stretch and go of things, but you know, it's better that we, we leave him off this roster because he's just a black hole and we keep on bringing him in. Boone's decisions are like, we have to give him the confidence to come in now as a relief pitcher because the Yankees don't want to bite the bullet that they gave up two prospects for two guys, any two guys, for him to come here and pitch. And I, and I actually, one of these pitchers is actually turning out to be like a decent decent guy. So let's see what happens. You know, I would rather go with Clark Schmidt in the pen or, as you said, Adam Warren, right? It's just I'm very confused of- him as a lefty specialist. I know Burden is out of the, for the year. It's kind of crazy to me that we're talking about Andrew Heaney right now and whether or not he wants to be DFA'd instead of talking about like how this team is going to do in the playoffs, how they fare versus the White Sox, how they fare versus 
Dude, they beat the White Sox in a series a month ago. And and now, like, I don't know that they have no soul. They have no definition to this team. Uh, and I, I, I have nothing else left to say. We can go to the Mets quickly before we head out, um, if you want to, Jared. I mean, for the Mets, it's basically like you got to win eight of ten. They're, they're in that stretch where there are teams ahead of them. I think that the division is out of the picture just because I think that the Braves are kind of rolling, and I don't see the Braves relinquishing a four-game four, four game lead. Mets are three out in the wild card. However, they're behind Philadelphia. Now Philadelphia, they can beat because they play Philadelphia, and they also play St. Louis here. The Reds have an easy schedule. The Padres have a tremendously tough schedule. They play uh, San Francisco ten more times. So and they play Atlanta four more times. So it's going. I would not be exactly shocked. It's crazy to say, but I I don't think that San Diego is really in the driver's seat right now for the wild card. So does that open it up for the Mets? Maybe, but they have to. They really have to win these games. I mean, they they gotta win. I almost think that they have to sweep the Cardinals. I think that they have to win at, at worst two of three, because they have to pick up a game on St. Louis, right? But. They get the Cardinals. They're going to have to play the Braves at the end of the season. They get the Phillies. I mean, it's crazy to think, though, like, can they get it to three games in the division and then sweep Atlanta in the last weekend of the year? I doubt it because I don't think the Mets are good enough to get to that point in the season, three back. Now, maybe they can somehow take this weekend and all that energy that was in City Field and, and propel it forward. But they're not good enough. I don't think with, with no DeGrom, Taiwan Walker has been terrible in the second half. I don't, I, I, I just, it just would be the false. The fact that there could be four wild card teams, because it does not look like the Reds and Cardinals are going to let up. Right. Um, and the Phillies, what are you doing? Losing three out of four to the Rockies. They've lost a bunch. I mean, they, they got swept by Arizona. The Phillies, have had the door totally wide open to them. And they're also just, not, they're to me kind of like the Mets. They're just not that good. Mm. But they were, they, mm, yeah. Because of their division and because of their schedule, I mean, they just played basically in the last three weeks, seven games against Arizona and Colorado. And where are, where's Philadelphia? They're one game over 500 still. They were, they, they've actually come back down to earth a little bit from, they were about four games, five games, maybe even six over 500 at one point. And they've lost ground now because they've been losing to the Diamondbacks and they've been losing to the Rockies. You want to make the playoffs? You can't do that. I mean, you just can't. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this on the phone the other day. The Rockies are like incredible, um, you know, at certain stretches of the year. Um, and they're tough to be, I understand that they're tough to beat in Coors Field. But they want to make playoffs. Look at the Giants. Look at the Giants. The Giants are in a really tough battle for first place in their division. I mean, think about that. A team that has 93 wins is like trying to somehow win this division still. And they go into Colorado and they sweep the Rockies. Philly goes into Colorado and they lose. And then they lose at home to the Rockies. That's just unacceptable. Um, l- lastly, I, what I would say about the Mets is like, all the guys you brought in, right, are like Trevor May did not pitch well this series. 
he had two he bad outings. A bad game. Like, bad game. You, I think they have to decide what they're going to do with some of these bullpen arms and, um, you know, what they do with their pitching going into next year. Taiwan Walker didn't look great. I know he, he did well after that blow-up inning. But um, yeah. uh, I, I, would, I would really reconsider the pitching this offseason for the Mets. Um, I think their hitting will bounce back. I really do. I think that these guys are better than how they perform. Baez is not is is most likely not going to be back. But Lindor is going to have a full season there under his boots next year. We'll see. He'll have no worries of a contract extension looming underneath of him. Mm-hmm. He won't have to like. I think they will bounce back. I think Polar Pete will be good. Um, we'll see how it goes. I think that. They have obviously some questions, and, and I'm not ready. I, Walker, I think, is a little bit better than the second half. A little bit, not all-star, but a little bit better. I think McCann will rebound. But there still is a lot of questions. And, and I think that the biggest question, though, is like organizationally, like Steve Cohen has got to – I think that they will get rid of Rojas. I think that they will get rid of the general manager. So I think that, okay, Cohen's been there for a year – his teeth are more ingrained into this organization. Now it's time to find the right people. I mean, it's time to find the right people to, to get this going. I think that they have a pretty solid base. If DeGrom is healthy, I think that they have a pretty solid foundation that they can leap off of. But obviously it's going to need, they're going to need to find the right pieces and they're going to need to find the right people to find those pieces. Uh, and I think that starts because we never talked about this. Um, the Mets GM got a DUI coming from Steve Cohen's home, right? What, what he's gone, right? He's done. Um, they put him on administration leave, right? They didn't fire him really. Um, I think as the Mets organization, you have to revamp the pitching and get a new GM and head coach because Rojas is not. You know, I was thinking about this the other day again, and I brought this up with you a few times. But Carlos Beltran, I think, would have had a much better and different impact than any of, like, any of the, a lot of these managers that are in the game today. I think Carlos Beltran really can relate to players. I think he's a smart guy, and I think he deserves to be in the league. Undoubtedly, I mean, obviously the Houston situation was the reason he, he was fired. And, and I understand why he probably could have been suspended maybe had he, but like he was a player at the time. So he probably wouldn't have gotten suspended as a, it would have been odd. I don't know how MLB would have handled had the Mets not, you know, cut ties. However, I mean, it's a new, it's, you know, does Beltron have any ill will towards Cohen and to whoever the new GM is? Maybe not. I mean, you know, the Wilpons and Brody Van Wagenen were the guys who hired him and fired him. What's to say he won't go back to Cohen? Maybe the Yankees want Beltron. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's going to be a sought-after guy, and I think he'll get a better chance this year as, as a piece. You know, the other day when it was the anniversary of uh, Derek Jeter's, like, la- uh, Derek Jeter Day, um, and then the, he was, like, going to get into the Hall of Fame, they kept on showing this footage of him. And one of the things was like, oh, they gave out Monument Park jackets to everyone at the at the at, on the, that had a Monument Park. It's like the green jacket for Yankees. It's very pretentious. 
But you know who came up with that idea? Who was in the opposing dugout that day? Carlos Beltran. So it's interesting to see, like, where, um, you know, because when Jeter got his number retired, it was versus the Astros. Um, and Beltron was in the other dugout, and I think Beltron has a very close ties with the Yankees. It would be it would be a blast to see the Yankees hire him and get a little backlash from that. Um, but yeah, I could see it, could see the Mets rehiring him too. But um, I think that wraps up today's episode. You know, we're probably gonna come back here next week and discuss, you know, kind of how all of this has unfolded. Um, I would like to see if the Yankees gain any ground or actually can hold a wild card spot. They don't have that rough of a schedule this week. They have to win like at least three out of the next four. Um, Undoubtedly. They got an easy schedule, easy 10 games coming up. Um, I really believe that they need to win seven of 10, if not eight of 10. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks guys. Uh, We're going to head out. Um, Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast, everything. Peace.